We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall never surrender until in God's good time, the new world, with all its power and might, steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of people. In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. President Trump comes out with an extremely strong statement against transgender ideology. He calls it insane, and he calls for litigation against Big Pharma and the government for promoting this nonsense. But this is the same man that had a big party at Mar-a-Lago just a couple months ago, celebrating the rainbow. What are we to believe? I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Good morning, and welcome to The Rebellion. I was going to do a completely different show this morning. In fact, I've got my notes up on my screen, ready to talk to you about radical Darwinism and how it led to the Nazi Holocaust. I was going to share with you a story about uh, a guest appearance I had on a show in Great Britain just yesterday, where I got into a pretty heated debate with the host, who kind of blindsided me. Because he said, you're a Christian and you obviously don't believe in evolution. So basically, how could your commentary or your views be credible? And where we were supposed to be talking about my education commentary and not a daycare, grow up and all of the stuff I say on this show all the time, my challenge of the snowflake rebellion, cancel culture, trigger warnings, microaggressions. That was supposed to be the topic, but all of a sudden the show turned to about a half-hour debate over Darwinism. Well, I've got my notes up ready to talk to you about that, but I think I'm going to hold this one until tomorrow. So this is just a teaser for tomorrow's show. We'll talk about radical Darwinism and the question, did it lead to social Darwinism and did it lead to uh, the Nazi Holocaust, the survival of the fittest? and that the Aryan race was more fit than everybody else, and therefore everybody else should just go the way of the dodo bird, especially the Jews and the gypsies and the others who were deemed unfit, right? Well, we'll hold that one for tomorrow. So again, this is a teaser. I'll use this introductory period right now just to tease you for the show tomorrow. So listen in then. Actually, it was a great conversation. I had fun with the guy. He was Uh, relatively polite, and I think I was too. It was good radio. It was good uh, video. It was good commentary. It was good entertainment, if you will, but about a very important issue. So let's set that one on on the shelf for now. Today's topic is President Trump's statement that he just issued, a very, very bold and strong statement against transgender ideology, where he's calling for litigation. He's calling this stuff insane. But this is the same man that I met with personally who didn't have a clue how to respond when I told him that I would not comply with a mandate from the Obama administration demanding that I start providing transgender accommodations on my campus at Oklahoma Wesleyan University. This is the same man who looked at me totally confused when I said, should you become president, stop, stop, stay out of my business, leave me alone. He didn't know what to say. He just looked at me with confusion. And I'll refresh your memory after the break as to what he really did say, what his words really were. So let's take a break, and when I get back, I'm going to play for you this uh, three-minute clip 
of President Trump's announcement against transgenderism, especially he's calling against this insanity. He's calling out for us to fight against this insanity, especially in the case of children. But really, for everybody who's been mutilated, literally mutilated at the hands of these butchers who wave the transgender flag, the rainbow flag, that President Trump just celebrated at his home in Florida by having a big party where they were waving these flags all over the place. So what are we to believe? I'll let you decide. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Let's take a break. I'll be right back in a couple minutes. In 1978, George and Kate Tedford set out to protect Oklahoma businesses better. Today, their son and our CEO, Mark Tedford, is excited to carry on his family's legacy. Professional liability, compliance, property, workers' comp, health and life. Tedford Insurance's dedicated team gives you access to the nation's largest insurance providers, negotiates the best rates, and protects their own legacy like no one else. Call 918-299-2345 or tedfordinsurance.com. The Patriot Auto Group, locally owned and operated. The Patriot family of dealerships takes great pride in supporting the communities we serve throughout the great state of Oklahoma. The Patriot Auto Group's charitable work has been recognized throughout Oklahoma. Whether it's visiting one of our local dealerships or simply shopping and buying online with our doorstep delivery, the Patriot Auto Group takes the stress out of buying a new or used vehicle. And every purchase comes with our exclusive peace of mind, Patriot Pledge. You get engines for life, plus one-year maintenance and 10 full years of roadside assistance, plus so much more. Sure, we can sell you a car, but supporting our community and lending a hand to our neighbors in need? Sold. The Patriot Auto Group. Proud Oklahomans in the communities we serve. Okay, welcome back to The Rebellion. So what I want to do right now is jump right into this audio clip of President Trump's announcement. I believe it was just yesterday with regard to what he will do about the transgender agenda should he become president again in 2024. But I want you to listen to it within the context of what I've told you before, the story of when I met with him when he was running for the presidency in 2020, and I asked him a question about this very same thing. And his answer was very different, extremely different than versus now. And I want you to decide who are we really dealing with here. Okay, listen to this audio clip. The left-wing gender insanity being pushed on our children is an act of child abuse. Very simple. Here's my plan to stop the chemical, physical, and emotional mutilation of our youth. On day one, I will revoke Joe Biden's cruel policies on so-called gender-affirming care. Ridiculous. A process that includes giving kids puberty blockers, mutating their physical appearance, and ultimately performing surgery on minor children. Can you believe this? I will sign a new executive order instructing every federal agency to cease all programs that promote the concept of sex and gender transition at any age. I will then ask Congress to permanently stop federal taxpayer dollars from being used to promote or pay for these procedures. 
and pass a law prohibiting child sexual mutilation in all 50 states. It'll go very quickly. I will declare that any hospital or healthcare provider that participates in the chemical or physical mutilation of minor youth will no longer meet federal health and safety standards for Medicaid and Medicare and will be terminated from the program immediately. Furthermore, I will support the creation of a private right of action for victims to sue doctors who have unforgivably performed these procedures on minor children. The Department of Justice will investigate Big Pharma and the big hospital networks to determine whether they have deliberately covered up horrific long-term side effects of sex transitions in order to get rich at the expense of vulnerable patients, in this case, very vulnerable. We will also investigate whether Big Pharma or others have illegally marketed hormones and puberty blockers, which are in no way licensed or approved for this use. My Department of Education will inform states and school districts that if any teacher or school official suggests to a child that they could be trapped in the wrong body, they will be faced with severe consequences, including potential civil rights violations for sex discrimination and the elimination of federal funding. As part of our new credentialing body for teachers, we will promote positive education about the nuclear family, the roles of mothers and fathers, and celebrating rather than erasing the things that make men and women different and unique. I will ask Congress to pass a bill establishing that the only genders recognized by the United States government are male and female, and they are assigned at birth. The bill will also make clear that Title IX prohibits men from participating in women's sports, and we will protect the rights of parents from being forced to allow their minor child to assume a gender which is new and an identity without the parent's consent. The identity will not be new, and it will not be without parental consent. No serious country should be telling its children that they were born with the wrong gender, a concept that was never heard of in all of human history. Nobody's ever heard of this, what's happening today. It was all when the radical left invented it just a few years ago. Under my leadership, this madness will end. Thank you very much. So, there you have it. A very solid statement. A statement that I applaud. I assume you do too. He's spot on. It is insanity. It is left-wing insanity. It is a worldview that didn't exist until five minutes ago. It is crazy talk. It's a science-denying religion. Absolutely. It's the dumbing down of the human being to nothing but their fantasies. And you will even fabricate a new body to match your imagination, your fantasies. You will carve the physical in favor of the mystical, the gnosis, the special knowledge that you have that denies science, denies reality, denies the facts. It's a crazy land of feelings trumping facts rather than the other way around. I agree. I agree. Standing ovation. But here's the thing. I'm going to refresh your memory here. Some of you listening right now may have not heard me tell the story before, but several, several of you have, so just be patient. Listen to the story again. During President Trump's first run for the presidency, when 
he was campaigning in the primary season of 2019-2020. I was against him. The reason I stood against him is because of what he had said in his books. He had boasted of his infidelities. He had boasted of his immorality. He had not demonstrated himself to be a man of character. All a successful businessman, yes, but not the character that I felt was necessary to be the leader of the free world. So I was not against him. I was for Ted Cruz. My wife was for Marco Rubio. There were other good candidates in the mix. Rand Paul, Carly Fiorina, whom President Trump mocked, by the way. He mocked her appearance. Mocked her face, very deliberately so. And I thought, no, I can't support this man. I was asked on the Pat Campbell show down in Tulsa, are you going to be the next Christian college president to endorse Donald Trump? He asked me that the day after Jerry Falwell Jr. of Liberty University endorsed Trump. And I said, no, I'm not going to trump my morality. But the primary is over a few weeks later, and Donald Trump actually prevails to my surprise. So what do I do? As I've said to you a thousand times over on this show, I think it's our responsibility in every election to vote for the greatest measure of human freedom that you can get. Well, obviously, the Republican platform stood for a greater measure of freedom than the Democrat platform. Democrat platform is big government, lots of laws, lots of restrictions, the degradation of the Constitution and the freedoms that it promises, guarantees and protects, versus the Republican platform, which honors the Constitution and speaks of greater human liberty and freedom. I got a phone call while I'm in a quandary. It was from Tony Perkins. He said, do you want to come to New York City tomorrow morning? Last minute notice, but would you like to be part of a small group of about 30 people who are being invited to meet with candidate Trump in Trump Tower? To share your views, we're calling together a small group of Catholic and evangelical thought leaders to come and engage with the candidate Trump, hopefully the future president of the United States. I told Tony Perkins, I said, Tony, you know I don't even like the guy. He said, I know you don't, but do you want to come? So long story short, I grabbed a last-minute ticket and I flew to New York City. I was there the next morning at 10 o'clock. I found myself in a big conference room overlooking Central Park with about 30 other evangelicals and Catholics, conservatives. I recognized many of them. And I'm still wondering, what do I do? I cannot aid in the bed Hillary Clinton in her election. But who is this man? This man who has mocked the appearance of women, this man who boasts of betting married women, this, this man who has not demonstrated Christian virtue or character, but yet he is going to be the standard bearer for the party that I believe brings greater freedom rather than less in the current political climate. In walks Steve Bannon and a couple others before President Trump got into the room, and he, he said essentially this, Mr. Trump is going to be here in a second, He'll give you about an hour and a half of his time, but then he has to grab a plane to Florida for a campaign event. We don't have time for all of you to engage, all of you to ask questions. So we're going to assign five of you to do so. And they looked around the room and they asked an economist in the room to ask a question on the economy. There was an author in the room who had written a recent book. They asked him to ask Donald Trump a question about the book, the premise therein. 
And then they looked at me, the handlers Donald, of, of Donald Trump, Steve Bannon and crew, looked at me and said, Piper, you've been making a big stink about academic freedom and education lately. You ask Donald Trump the question on education. Now keep in mind, 12 hours earlier, I didn't even know I was going to be there. 12 seconds earlier, I didn't know I was supposed to say anything, and I still don't even know if I like the man. Trying to figure out what I do in the upcoming general election. Well, in walks Donald Trump. And he starts working the room, and I'm immediately taken aback because I recognize the man isn't behaving like other politicians as he's just greeting people and shaking their hand. There doesn't appear to be this plastic mask that most politicians seem to wear. And I'm impressed by that. A little stunned and surprised, but I'm impressed by that. I'm just watching. And then we all sit down. They sit us in assigned seats. And I, for whatever reason, am seated directly opposite of Donald Trump at this long oval table, immediately opposite him. So as the meeting proceeds, Donald Trump says a very few words to start the meeting. He doesn't pontificate. He doesn't bloviate. He doesn't dominate. He just says a couple quick words, and then he opens it up to questions. And the economist asked his question. The author asked his question. There were other people in the room who had been assigned to ask a question. And by the way, we were only given three minutes each by Bannon to ask our questions. Piper, you've been making a big stink about academic freedom and education lately. You asked that question and you only have three minutes. That was my charge. That's what I was told to do. So now it's my turn. And I've been sitting there all this while trying to figure out what do I say. So here's what I did. I'm sitting directly across the table from Donald Trump. Oh, let's just say the table was six, eight feet wide. So I'm, I'm eight feet away from him, directly across the table. And I looked Mr. Trump in the eye and I said, Mr. Trump, my name's Everett Piper. I'm the president of a small Christian liberal arts college in Northeast Oklahoma called Oklahoma Wesleyan University. Mr. Trump, just a couple months ago, I received a letter from the Obama administration's Department of Education and Office of Civil Rights. And the letter said that effective immediately, I am required by federal law to start providing transgender accommodations on my campus. Mr. Trump, we are a Christian institution. This violates our Christian identity, our Christian convictions. This is against our mission. Mr. Trump, I will not comply. I refuse. I will not do this. So, Mr. Trump, should you become President of the United States, I have one request of you. Leave me alone. And I was quiet. That was my three minutes. I was basically saying, stay out of our business. Let us be Christian. Don't send us letters from your Department of Education or your Office of Civil Rights. Don't send us letters demanding that we compromise the very definition of who we are. Protect us. 
block for us, tackle for us, stand in the doorway of these crazies that want to force us to bow at the altar of their religion, their wokeness, their fake religion of dumbing down the definition of the human being to everything that they're inclined to do. I didn't say all that. All I said is what I told you. I said, Mr. Trump, president of the Christian College, Northeast Oklahoma, getting this letter from Obama, I won't comply. Mr. Trump, if you become president, please just leave me alone. Essentially, I was saying to him what I've talked to you about before, and that is George Washington's verse, Micah 4.4. Every man shall sit under his own fig tree and his own vine, and he shall not be afraid. I was saying to Mr. Trump, it's our vine, it's our fig tree, keep your hands off. Leave us alone. We don't want to be afraid of you or anybody else in the federal government. It's private property, religious freedom. These are our constitutional rights. Leave us alone. Now, if you've listened to this story before, you know what I'm going to say next. Because you're, you're, you're hearing me tell the story and you're thinking, okay, what did Trump say? What was his response? Piper, you seem reasonable. You weren't asking to impose your views on anybody else. In fact, that's the exact opposite of your point. You were saying, stop imposing your views on me. Leave us alone. There's a wall separating church and state, and it exists per Jefferson himself to protect the church from the state, not the other way around. Mr. President, Mr. Trump in this case, he wasn't president yet, get away from the wall. <laughs> Just leave us alone. Back off. All right, so what did he say? I kid you not. He looked me in the eye, he put his elbows on the table, he leaned over, and he said this. Well, do you have a problem if they've had the surgery? Period. That's all he said. Nothing more. Nothing less, but nothing more. I was flabbergasted. I thought to myself... And I, I, again, I'm not saying anything at this point. I'm stunned, quite frankly, into silence. But I'm thinking, you don't have a clue what I'm talking about. You, you don't understand the gravity of the question. First of all, it's a compromise of my religious freedom, my personal religious freedom, as well as my institutions. It's a complete breach of the Constitution and the First Amendment. Excuse me. You don't understand. You don't understand that, but you also don't understand the issue of the sexual morality in play here. Whether I have a problem if they've had the surgery or not is irrelevant. What I have a problem with is the moral agenda. What I have a problem with is degrading the human being to nothing but the sum total of their inclinations. Their identity is that they want to get surgery and butcher their body, and therefore, if they've had that surgery, then I do have to provide transgender accommodations? Is that what your question implies, Mr. Trump? What your question screams is that you don't understand 
why I asked the question in the first place. Do you have a problem if they've had the surgery? Nothing more. Now, when you listen to this three-minute clip that I played of Donald Trump's stand against transgenderism now, listen to it within the context of my experience. Now, you might conclude that he's grown, and now he has a better understanding of my initial question back in 2020. You might conclude that. Actually, I've got my date wrong there. I just realized. My date was 2016. Sorry about that. Forgive me for that uh, goof. I just dawned on me. I'm off four years there. It was the 2016 campaign before he became president. So with that goof aside, pay attention to the story. When he told me that before he came, became president, has he grown since that time? Did he grow over the course of his presidency from 2016 to 2020? Is he a different man now in 2023, 24? I don't know. People grow. People mature. I get that. And that's possible. I don't want to discount that. But when you put, throw in this additional variable that just a handful of weeks ago, he had a big blowout party at his house in Florida, at the compound in Florida, to celebrate and wave rainbow flags and transgender flags and to invite the entire rainbow community in to celebrate their agenda. Really? Really? Are you going to tell me that the guy who just did that a handful of weeks ago and who looked me in the face back in 2016 and said, well, do you have a problem if they've had the surgery? Implying, well, surely you shouldn't if they've had the surgery. You're going to tell me that the guy who's now condemning the surgery and who had a party in his house, his compound in Florida just yesterday, celebrating those who had had the surgery, you're going to tell me that we're just supposed to take this at face value? I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Like I said earlier in the show, I'll let you decide. But I would encourage you to do this. Trust but verify, Ronald Reagan. I do believe people can mature and change their views. You have and I have. It's part of the Christian message. It's part of the gospel. That if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. That you have become born again. You're not born that way. That you're transformed in Christ. You're a new creation. All of these things mean that you cast aside those things that were bad and you start embracing the things that are good. In biblical language, it's called holiness. It's called obedience. It's called transformation. It's called conversion. I believe in all of that, obviously. And I'm not going to even be the judge on this one today, on this show. I do think I have the right and the responsibility to question, to trust, perhaps, but verify. And part of that verification process is looking at the way you're behaving today, and is it consistent with the message you're delivering today? If you're going to come out in strong terms like what he just did, and again, I applaud what he said. 
and he may do it. But why in the world did he have this party at his compound in Florida five minutes ago? Why? You answer the question. You, you decide what you believe. You decide what you're going to trust. But please verify. And part of verification is to find a pattern of behavior and words that's consistent. Now, Donald Trump did do what I asked him to do, and that part, that's part of the story for which I'm very grateful. When I said, leave me alone, he essentially did for the next four years, and I'm thankful for that. I'm grateful for that. But on this story, when he says, we're going to lower the boom, we're going to shut down this lunacy, this crazy talk of transgenderism, just remember, he's the same guy who looked at me in 2016 and says, well, do you have a problem if they've had the surgery? And I was stunned. I was literally stunned. I thought, oh my land. This guy doesn't understand a single thing I'm saying right now. Interesting, isn't it? Again, I'll close with a quote from Ronald Reagan. You should always trust, but verify. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. <laughs>